Hey Jeff. Hey Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. First of all, I want to shout out our friend Tommy Battle, the photographer, our photographer. Yes, one of our photographers, one of our great friends who is living out there in Brooklyn right now. And uh, shout out to Tommy and his whole family. They're doing great. But I do want to say, Tommy texted us before and he was like, listen, on top of COVID-19 mm-hmm. being out there in the world, on top of earthquakes going on in various cities, mm-hmm. on top of killer bees really happening in this world, what are they? Monster hornets? Mon- no. Monster they're, hornets. No, they're murder hornets. Murder. Even worse. Yeah. Murder hornets. Monster hornets. I don't know. That's like Larry Johnson in, uh, in <laughs> Space Ma. Jam. On top of all that stuff. Yeah. Tommy said that this weekend, and I don't know when this episode is airing. I don't know when the weekend is. Yeah. But Tommy said this was to be an epic snowstorm coming to the Northeast on Saturday. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> Honestly, of all the things, that doesn't seem so bad. I'm going to stay in the house anyway. Yeah, I guess so. Like, who cares? In my mind... Who cares about any of this? In my mind, I'm operating like a regular weather situation here, where it's just like, oh, right. Oh, I have Can't to buy my groceries to prepare for the snowstorm. Oh, right. There's also a virus that is... <laughs> Literally keeping us inside. Keeping us inside. Yeah. So I'm uh, not worried about the snow. Couldn't care less about the snow. <laughs> this The, the street cleaner is going to have a very easy week. There's nothing going on. There's no cars. Are you it's a desolate city? Are you gonna? You're not. You're not afraid about tracking in any salt, you know, on your boots. I'm bringing the salt out. Are you gonna? <laughs> who gives a shit about snow? I'm not gonna layer up to to go, you know, make snow angels and make some uh, make some fun in your life, Jeff. None of that. Let me tell you something. Yeah. In the past two months, yep. My definition of fun has been <laughs> very different than what I think your idea of what I would do with the snow. I am I'm like the Grinch. I <laughs> could not care less about the snow coming. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing magical about snow in May. When we go out food shopping at midnight, are you going to get some hot cocoa? <laughs> yeah. Sit by the window and mm, just watch the snow come down all these fluffy flakes. You're, Fuck that. You are Fuck the bitter. snow. Stuff you are, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Also, and, snow is never nice in the city. <laughs> Let's just be real. It's dirty. The truth finally comes out. Yeah. Now you got now you got me unleashed. <laughs> snow is disgusting. It's all it's, do you it's, think, it's full of pollutants do you when it's think, coming down. <laughs> do you think that people It's like slush? What was disgusting? The, I don't want this. Do you, what was it? Acid rain? Do you remember that? Yeah. That was ever, a that was a thing. Do you ever chocolate rain? Yeah, do I. <laughs> Chocolate rain. We should get him on. We should get. How is Tay Zande doing in all this? Can you imagine? Who do you want? Who do you want in that lineup? We've been doing uh, these themed lineups today. We have uh, three engineers. Yeah. Three really, really top of the line, mm-hmm. excellent engineers, mix engineers, recording art engineers. Yeah. Um. No. No. Uh. No bridge engineers. But you know, next time. Oh, it took me a second to understand what that meant. But you mean like an actual bridge, like an aqueduct? Yeah, I mean like the George Washington Bridge. Yeah, we we have not had any mechanical engineers coming over, no. Uh, We've been doing these themes. We've had people who work well together, maybe come from different areas, but all have a theme. Who who would go with Tezande? I would say... Oh. The, the, let's get some shoes. Oh Oh my God, shoes. Oh, you're going that direction. I thought you were going to go with... Shoes. No, who's the kid who rapped... Ice J.J. Fish? Nope. We could get Ice J.J. Fish on here? Nope. The kid... (laughs) The kid... (laughs) The kid who rapped and he became like a meme and he became like a viral superstar 
not for the right reasons. He was a bad I freestyle could rapper. Not... And we were in the documentary. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't act like you don't know. Well, first of all, you I know would... exactly who it is. It's Eli Porter. There we go. That would be a good one. But Eli, Tezande, we need a third. You're, you're really moving on from the fact that you said, you know, the rapper who became a meme <laughs> for freestyling bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm supposed to guess. Lil Mosey. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Literally anybody. Iggy okay. Azalea. Yeah. Okay. So Tezande. Tezande, Eli, Eli Porter, Porter, and I want the kid that's like, uh, he, he looks like he's like in a wind tunnel. Who's that? <laughs> you don't want to go with um uh oh. How about the uh the one who did the uh the five guys burgers and fries song? That's a really good one. Although he wasn't actually behind it, which I guess makes the story more compelling. What if we got the leprechaun <laughs> from the tree? <laughs> Finally, for the first time, mm-hmm. that leprechaun from like Atlanta <laughs> speaks, right? Or like Alabama, somewhere somewhere down south. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. These are all good. But, but listen, guys, we got a line on Let, Tezan. Let's get Homestar Runner. <laughs> and yeah, uh, we have a line he, on Tezan. Who do you do you think he is a publicist? <laughs> Weird, weirder things have happened. Believe yeah, me. Yeah, snow in May. Yeah, fuck this. Snow in May. Jeff, who's on the podcast today? On the podcast today is <laughs> Leslie Branway. There we go. Yeah, guys. We're not working at full capacity anymore. We've, we've talked to so many people today. Uh, Leslie Brainwave, yeah. who is an, a legend, right? A legendary mix engineer. Beyonce only deals with him. Pharrell only deals with him. Beyonce does not only deal with him. We talked to uh, him about how Beyonce worked with four different engineers, but... The Carters worked with them. Anyway, yeah. he is he is the mix engineer. Mm-hmm. Leslie is a... I mean, Outkast, TLC, Monica... Jeezy, Rick Ross... Jack Harlow, Lil Uzi Vert. I mean, he Madonna. Um, he is the guy that people go to to get a really, really phenomenal mix on their on their music to to make it give that extra oomph. Oh, Cardi, Cardi B. B. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, you have all of these major artists go to him. He brings you know something special to the hi hat, something special to the kick drum, something special to their voice. Yeah, I do want to say you do not have to be an engineer or even appreciate engineers to listen to this episode. We don't. We're not like super technical. No, when we're talking about but, this but, stuff. But, but what you do get from this is understanding the different pieces to making a a song really go. Yeah. You know, I I think that uh, there's a lot of people who are at home right now, as we've talked about, who are learning to engineer for the first time. So if you're a crooked eye or if you're fabulous, you can listen to this episode and be like, oh, maybe that's what I will do. Yeah. But I I, I, I will I, record low. I just don't want to scare people off. No, I think it's, you know? I think this is a really fun conversation uh, with Leslie. Mm-hmm. Then we have a really fun conversation with Alex Tumay. Well, it starts off crazy because Alex has, uh, he was, he, he, he has overcome. He has overcome COVID-19. Crazy. Crazy. But a- Alex, Alex is also a legendary uh, mix engineer, uh, recording engineer. He has worked with everyone from Young Thug to, uh, Party uh, Next Door. To French Montana, to uh, Kanye and, and Ty Dolla Sign. Everything and, that Kenny Beats does. Like, yeah. And also just like a very internet savvy uh, individual, good friend. Yes. I really enjoyed great talking dude. to him. It was, it was really great to catch up. Yeah. Um, and he also had done some work with Leslie in the past, which is really neat. And then we get on the phone with Cruz. From Meek Mill's camp. Turn me up, Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cruz has his own uh, world that he's living in. 
his in-laws world yeah uh he just had a kid he just had a kid so he's on extended paternity leave essentially but uh it's it's great to catch up with him we called him on meek mill's birthday yeah and uh congratulations by the way to meek mill for also having a kid who had a kid on his birthday yeah well, before we get into the actual conversation, yes. I do want to say that we have a Patreon that we've set up, patreon.com slash it's the reels, where people can, if you support us, if you support this independent yeah. thing that we've built, yes. and if you like just good organic conversations mm-hmm. and you want to support that, we want to contribute, go to patreon.com slash it's the real. Or if you're a fan of, you know, our sketches, our music, our other ventures that we have designs on bringing back and moving forward through all of this, if you want to be an investor in us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash it's the real and contribute what you can, $2, $3, $5, $10, whatever you can per month, it all goes a long way. And we have givebacks every different tier. So, you know, there's a tier where you get free t-shirts every so often there's a tier where you get to be involved in zooms that we do there's lots of givebacks there's lots of opportunities to be a part of something special and that's what we believe this is so if you fuck with it's the real go to patreon.com slash it's the real and now jeff let's call down to atlanta and get on the phone with leslie brainwith hello leslie what up yo how are you i'm good Good. Um, listen, uh, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing through these very uh, uncertain days? Uh, we're doing great. Wonderful. You know, I'm just taking it easy. I'm sorry. Who am I speaking to? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lake, Lake put us on text. It's Eric and Jeff from It's The Real. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Hey. <laughs> I was like, who am I talking to? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you won like a contest? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Coming with like, like a bunch hey. of energy, and it's just like, ah, uh, sure. Yeah. I was like, hey, what am I winning? I'm I know. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, as a mix engineer, uh, your ears and your soul are in sync. How do you yourself reset and give yourself a rest? Like, do you listen to podcasts? Do you sit outside and meditate? Do you take long showers? How do you get away? Um, I think my version of i call it sniffing the coffee beans when you want to reset your palate mm-hmm. uh my version of that is video games i get i get on the xbox and i go nuts on call of duty and it helps <laughs> me reset my brain and resetting is also a constant process and so what i like to do is when i'm mixing i always have something playing in the background like i'm watching espn most of the times and what that does is it allows your brain to kind of you know, when you see, like, if the TV's on and you're mixing and then you see, a, like, a crazy play, like, you know, somebody, you know, Tom Brady throws a ridiculous pass and you look up, it, it kind of helps your mind reset from the thing that you're thinking about constantly and you get, like, a fresh perspective, you know, even just for a second if your mind veers off and looks at something and then you come back to hearing the stare that you're trying to fix, it yeah. kind of gives you a little perspective. How often do your ears get tired? Um... I think fatigue is more so based on, it's weird, um, because I take a lot of breaks, I don't get tired often per se, but I know, I think what, for me, I, I just know my limits, and I know when, it's more of a feel thing, I know when I'm just not in it, when I'm when I'm just kind of checked out for the day, and then I, I just, I, okay, it's time to start tomorrow, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um you did Monica's Don't Take It Personal, which was like the first thing that people can look at and be like, wow, Leslie did that. So who was yep. the first person to reach out and say like, good work or to ask about working with you? 
as far as after that yeah after that um well in that era it was more so your my career was more so kind of centered around dallas austin Mm -hmm. so it kind of was an internal thing it was kind of one of these things where i did the rough mix for that song and then clive davis and dallas kept trying to get it mixed by like you know I think it went through nine different iterations of mixes with nine different mixers. Wow. Um, you know, Dave way was one of them, which who I highly respected. I loved all these guys. And, but the thing is they were always trying to get back to the essence of their rough mix. And Clive Davis finally said on a call one day, why don't we just use Leslie's mix? (laughs) And so when that became the thing, I think that was the eye opener for Dallas to be like, I need to start just letting Leslie mix a couple other things because if Clive Davis was cool with his mix and I'm cool with his mix, I think he was always cool with the mix. I think he was just nervous that, and he had explained this to me later where he just thought Clive wouldn't go for, Oh, this young new mixer. And Clive didn't care. Clive just liked the energy of the record. Mm -hmm. And so I think that situation kind of helped propel him into letting me mix more. So it was more of an internal thing where Dallas started using me a lot more for mixes and, catapulted my career that way have you and then it kind of trickled into whoever he would be working with like madonna came to work with him and then she pulled me out to la after she came to atlanta to work with us and was like i love working with leslie leslie sound is great you know it just kind of skyrocketed from there have you ever met uh a music man anything like craig Kalman? you know what craig is very unique um in a sense of he knows exactly what he's talking about. He knows he's very dialed in. Um, but he's also, he, he possesses one of those kind of weird, unique qualities in a sense of he's very dialed in, he knows what he wants, but he also respects that I have a talent that I'm bringing to the table too. Mm-hmm. So he's very respectful of how he like involves me or wants my involvement or asks for my input or, you know, but he has also a very specific, when we're doing I Like It Like That, I mean, that song was the embodiment of all of his kind of creative genius but he also was very like involving and asking my opinion and saying hey do you think it should sound like this or what are you what do you feel so it's it's very cool to work with Craig yeah I mean like what was the smallest thing that you guys disagreed with about uh I like it like that I'm trying to think what did we disagree on I don't know that it's weird but I don't know that we've had disagreements on things I think he just he was very locked into um, I remember when we were doing like we were mixing the version where the sample was replayed mm-hmm. and he was very involved in how the replay sounded and very dialed in and I was just kind of like along for the ride like he would be like you know Leslie let's get it closer and I'd be like okay let's do it <laughs> and I'll, I'll work on it get it closer and he'd be like yep that's it let's get it a little closer can you do anything else to make it sound okay cool let's go I'm one of those guys who I never it's it's weird and I'm not trying to make myself sound perfect but I just don't get into conflicts with producers or you know artists I just I'm the let's let's go whatever you need because hmm. I realize I'm providing a service so yeah he has to walk away feeling like this is exactly what I want and you're perfect I mean like that's the other that's thing. the other thing yeah, yeah. exactly um <laughs> you played I, I I listened to an interview you said that you played uh, water balloon fights and hide and seek in the studio with TLC um, oh yeah. When's the last time you had that kind of relationship with an artist? Um, interesting question. I think I think I have those relationships now in different ways. I think it's a lot less about the 
more childlike play. You know, we were in our early 20s, late teens, early <laughs> 20s back in the TLC days. I think now it's more so. It's still fun. It's still, we still do a whole bunch of laughing and giggling. And uh, it was a ton of fun working with Cardi. I um, bet. It was, I mean, how she is, on, you know, what you see is what you get. That's how she is behind closed doors. She's never turned off. She's always turned up. And it's, you know, it's uh, it was a ton of fun working with her. And so it's just, it's like that in general with, all the most of the artists I work with, it's, it's always usually we've we've kind of realized that we got to have fun. Yeah. Um, so it's not to the level of water balloon. Fight. No, I mean, like, well, you're not like running around, you know, like in the same way that you were. But uh, but sure. But so um, I know that that Chili sang Scrubs with uh, with gum in her mouth. But like, yes. what's another like we know some stories about like how CeeLo uh, has recorded with while he's like lying on his back on a couch, or how Rick Ross has been uh, rapping while, while getting tattooed. tattooed. Yeah. So like, is there any artist tick that maybe we don't know about that you've had to record and you've been like, well, this is certainly a challenge that I didn't know that I would have to uh, deal with today. Um, you know, one day, um, and I think we kept this take, but one day we were, when we were doing Pink's album. Uh, I think it was the Misunderstood album. She was doing a handstand while doing her vocals. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty interesting. She's she's one of those people who, probably of all the artists I've worked with and gotten to know, she has some of the most interesting and a wide dynamic range of quirky talents. Well, I would put yeah, her... It, I mean, like, is I there, is there a why? Her and Justin Timberlake are in the same category. And both of them had these traits where they're amazingly good at everything they do. Including handstands. Yeah, but like, why? <laughs> you said why? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> like, I have no idea where she acquired all these skills. I know she, she's like, you know, you can see it in her shows now, but I mean, she's like gymless, gymnast level. Yeah. You know, she's she's ridiculous. But so you also, like, she's someone has to set the mic up <laughs> down there and, and be like, oh, Carlton, yeah. The recording engineer at the time, he was like, yeah, we're just trying this. I walked in and she was doing a handstand <laughs> vocal. And I cannot remember if we kept those vocals or not. I'm not sure because I was mixing at the time. So. Yeah. I sort of hope that you guys at least just keep the legend of it. <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, she definitely didn't. Let, like, just like let it grow. Yeah. Leslie, yeah, uh, there's quite a few quirky talents going around. Um, you know, Justin Timberlake, like I said, that guy, is, he's, he's one of those guys who's just amazingly great at everything he does. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, yeah. Leslie, you've worked with a, a wide array of artists, you know, Beyonce, Pharrell, Jeezy, Uzi, Jack Harlow, and, and each one has a very unique voice and a unique way that they use their instruments. Uh, is there one through line that you find through all of these talents? Uh, yes. Uh, what I do, I think the one thing I notice the most out of the people who are the most successful, the people who have the most success and the people who have consistent success is they possess all of the intangibles, the things you can't teach, the politeness, the gratefulness, the drive, the energy, the, you know, it's all of those things combined. And, and, and it's usually a, a nice um pizza of of a lot of different slices of those things because i've i've had people who are incredibly talented who have all the drive but they're you know complete assholes and then <laughs> you know you, you you can't really sustain a career like that and 
you know, some people manage to do it, but for the most part, what the, the common thread is usually all the things you really can't teach people. You can't, you can't really teach. You can, I can teach somebody how to be great at something. Mm-hmm. I can't teach them how to want to be great. I mm-hmm. can't, you can't teach desire. And so when you see all of these common traits in someone like a Cardi B or Pharrell or Beyonce, you realize why they're successful. I mean, I look at Cardi, I, I was in awe of the fact that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were mixing the album and she was up recording vocals, doing everything she could. And she's, you know, she wasn't complaining. She was, she had a great attitude. She would leave at night. One night we were leaving and it's four o'clock in the morning. And she, she was walking out the door and she stops herself and she turns back and goes to the front desk girl who went and got her food that day and said, thank you. Those are the things wow. you can't teach people. And those are the things that inevitably add to a person's long-term success. You when know, can't teach, can't teach that. Leslie, when did you realize that you were great at what you do? Um, I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know that I, I've ever, you know, obviously I, I know I'm good at what I do. I know I'm, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, accolades and Grammys and all that to, to kind of set a, you know, to put out some type of a metric on what I do. So I get that I'm good at what I do. I just, I don't think I would ever say I'm great at what I do. Somebody else can say it. And if that's how they feel cool, but I'm always, just striving i'm always just trying to be better trying to be good i think to put it to put the question in more of a a tangible perspective from my end when i knew that i was really solidified in doing what i'm doing is when i started hearing my stuff back in place like i'd be on vacation and i hear my mix playing and then i see a family of people singing this song or you know those kind of things started happening i started going oh this is real might stick with this mixing (laughs) (laughs) um one of your mentors is bruce sweetine uh quincy jones's uh mix engineer what in your estimation makes thriller so special from a mixing standpoint uh what made i think what made thriller super special is the the energy that Michael and Bruce had and when I hear I've I've heard that process in particular because I've asked a ton of questions when I got around them in 95 yeah I've heard the description of that process from Quincy from Bruce and from Michael and what I can pull together as the common thread that they all said is the bond and the trust they had in making that album was next level and they wish they could duplicate all of them kind of said in one way or shape or form or another they wish they could duplicate that process and duplicate what that meant and how that came out and i think it's just that you know when you have a cohesive bond of like not just bonding like water balloon fights and all that (laughs) we did with tlc but with that also comes trust it also comes that you know you get to know this person you know so there's a, there's a certain level of, I think, just chemistry that happened on that album that was just magical. And Michael trusted Bruce, and Michael trusted Quincy. Quincy trusted Michael, Quincy trusted Bruce. It's a whole lot of trust that comes into making an album. And I think that's what kind of ties back to my answer about Craig is he's very talented, he knows what he wants, but there was so much trust mm. in how we worked together. He trusted that 
he can ask me for something and I would deliver. He, he trusted my opinion, even though I can see he slightly saw something differently. He would be like, you know what? But if, if you like it, let's go with it. There's a certain level of trust. And Beyonce is like that. She's the same way. Mm. As, as a lot of people have a very different opinion of how she is, but there's so much trust in how she works. Mm. She always, at the end of everything, anytime she levies an opinion or a mandate for something, she always follows up with, well, how do you feel about it? Do you like it? What do you think? Do you think I'm going off the deep edge? This, this, that's a lot of trust. Yeah. But also, I mean, like, to, to count, I mean, like, you also have to have trust in her, but also in, in when you were recording the Carters, like, you have to also trust Young Guru and everybody else who was working on that project. There were, like, four uh, mixing engineers, I think, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, of I mean, course. like, talk about that process of, like, how you all work together. Um, in Toward mixing. a common goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what what's really cool, I'm gonna tell you, especially on Beyonce's last uh, few albums, um, with with the Carters in particular, the way we worked as a team, me, um, Young Guru, Tony Maserati, Stuart White, um, and uh, there were a couple other uh, Chris. Um, um, I forgot Chris's last name. Chris's last name is, I want to say his last name is Gallagher. I might be wrong. Carter Knowles. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there were a few of us that worked, you know, as mix engineers on it. And we mixed in a very different form where it wasn't like I had two songs to mix and Guru had two songs to mix. It was I was mixing a song and then Guru would send me a film file and be like, hey, can you mix my drums real quick? I like how you have your 808 sound. And hmm. I would send mine to Tony and be like, hey, can you touch up her vocals? And we were like mixing in this very cohesive unit kind of way and that's kind of indicative of how we are as a as a a group of colleagues i mean a lot of us mix engineers we really look out for each other we don't look at each other as competition and it's it is based on trust it's based on i know when something's coming from guru or from mike larson who's pharrell's recording engineer Mm -hmm. i know it's going to sound perfect and i know i know what i'm dealing with so i know i can then say if if i get a call from craig and he says hey i need to mix this cardi b album in a week one of my questions is going to be who recorded it. And when that name comes back and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. Yes, I can do it in a week. Yeah. Or, you know, I know, it might yeah, be like that bad that you're like, it might, might need a few months. <laughs> right. Yeah, and if it's a name I don't know. And in the case of Cardi B, I didn't know Evan at the time. Evan was her recording engineer. So one of the questions I asked when Craig asked me, hey, can you mix this album in a week? We need you right now. We got to get this done. She's pregnant. Da, da, da. I said, well, who's the recording engineer? He said, it's Evan. But it's good. You know, trust me. All the stuff is recorded really well. Now the trust shifts to Craig because I got to trust that he knows what I need to be able to work efficiently because I don't know Evan. Got to know Evan and he's amazing. Leslie, uh, which artist do you have the best shorthand with? Ooh, um, I would say probably the three people I just mentioned, um, Pharrell for sure, mm. um, Beyonce definitely, and Cardi definitely, we developed a nice shorthand. Mm. So it's very seamless to, I, I can say that about a lot of artists though. Artists I've been mixing over the years like Rick Ross, Cheesy for sure. I mean, very little conversations that have to happen now because we just, I, I get them, they get me. That kind of thing. But yeah. if I had to, if you want, if you made me narrow it down to one, which we are, I, I, 
by default, it would probably be Pharrell, just because I I probably work with him the most. Well, when you did when you did Thug Motivation One Hundred One, that that sound that movement was so different, and Jeezy was essentially a new artist. How do you mm-hmm. how do you approach that in terms of communicating and receiving what he brings and wants from from that project? In that, uh, and it's interesting that you say that because on that particular project, he wasn't that much a part of the creative um decision making as far as mixing and sound he just laid the vocals yeah and then we did our thing and a lot of the creative back and forth a lot of it actually to be honest with you came from me everybody was trusting me in that process whether wow. it's the producers i've mixed all of akon's records so akon was one of the producers yeah on yeah Soul yeah or like manny fresh did the first single and then what and me and manny are really good friends i mean he's my daughter's godfather for christ's sake so wow yeah, so it, there's so much. There was so much trust there. There wasn't really a whole lot of, you know, conversations about what creatively this is gonna sound like. It was just let's go, let's make a great album. Um, which album made you sit up straight because it was such a breath of of, of fresh air? Ooh, Cardi B. Really? Yes, I actually, I I was the one. Singing the praises of, I remember telling Lon Ray, Lon Ray. Uh, yeah, God shout out to Lon Ray, yeah. Yes, I remember telling Lon Ray, we were eating lunch one day, and it was like, I was probably like three mixes in. Oh, sorry, hold on, the long people just started. I <laughs> the neighborhood. Um, we were probably like three mixes in, and we're sitting there having lunch, and it's just me and Lon Ray, and I was like, you know, Lon Ray, this album actually is sounding incredible. And I had just heard two more songs that I hadn't mixed yet. I think I had just got the files for I Like It Like That and something else. And I told her, I said, this could be the best rap album this year. Like, wow. for real, for real. Like, I was like, it's really that good. And I'm not just saying it because I'm mixing it. I've mixed a ton of albums. But sometimes you get that feeling that you're working on a good, a really good body of work. And I think what, here's what really surprised me and shocked me about her album. It's that when we were doing it she was coming off of the hype of bodak yellow and so nobody thought she can make an album that could live up to bodak yellow including me i even had my doubts i was going and going okay yeah we're going to mix this cardi b album but i doubt anything on here is going to be living up to bodak yellow <laughs> and <then> sure enough <laughs> single after single i start mixing i'm going oh shit this is a really good album. Yeah. Yeah. So it really kind of got my attention and like you said, made me stand up a little straight and, you know, kind of respect it for what it was and I really enjoyed it as I was mixing it. Well, I was able to enjoy it as I was mixing it as a rap fan. I mean, that's like, the, that's got to be the best feeling because then it doesn't feel like, you know, work. It's just like you're, you're, you're enjoying the process as opposed to, exactly. you know, being paid to do this thing. Um, exactly. What is the phrase, like, I know that you you worked with Outkast. You did a, a B.O.B., um, you know, Bombs Over Baghdad. Um, how many times did you hear By Crunk Music, Electric Revival, just like in a row? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting how certain records just get embedded into your DNA. The way, it's funny, the way I even like map my life out in my brain, I remember events and things based on what I was mixing or what I was, you know, it's, it's, that's the kind of way my brain works like i remember what i was doing when i mixed the saint coney like i was actually sick i had a really bad flu i was i I booked a ski trip 
And the day before leaving for the ski trip, I was going to Colorado. Andre calls me and goes, "Hey man, what are you doing? We got to make we got to turn in our album by January 1st." <laughs> this was, he called me two days before Christmas. Oh. And was like, "Hey man, we got to turn in our album by January 1st. What are you doing?" And I was like, "What the fuck do you think I'm doing? I'm mixing your album." <laughs> so I called all the people I was going on the ski trip with, canceled the ski trip, and mixed Anconia. Man, um, yeah, it was crazy. can you compare? what Atlanta felt like, you know, 20 years ago to where it is today, because there's two, as far as we see it, two very specific um, generations and, and two different energies, but both very powerful. And, and Atlanta certainly now is like, it's like almost uh, taken for granted how, uh, how powerful it is down there. Um, in 98, you're, you're carrying off of that, like, you know, outcast wave and seeing things move and, and seeing the, the center of hip hop move more south. Now, now it's just sort of understood, but both great energies. Yeah. And I think what, what happens in a city like Atlanta, like, and like you said, I mean, there's so much of the, the music scene now that is driven by Atlanta. Like, for instance, all of the writers that write with Beyonce and Rihanna and Chris Brown, they're all from Atlanta. They mm-hmm. all live here. Mm-hmm. And I work with them all the time. I know most of them. And so it's it's all of this energy that's driven by Atlanta. What's interesting about a city like Atlanta is when you have a city like New York or Chicago or L.A., right? Let's pick those three. Mm-hmm. Or Houston. What you have is people who are from those cities, who have lived in those cities for generations, their families, da da da. So there's a certain camaraderie around the city. There's a certain feeling about repping New York and repping Chicago. And these are people who have been attacked by bird. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. This is this has absolutely been the most like chaotic phone That's call weird. that we've had to this yeah. point. Wait, what kind of bird? You got killer birds on the street. Yeah. <laughs> I was walking by one of my neighbors. Man. Um so that's a different kind of Atlanta energy. You yeah, know? wait. Right. Wh- <laughs> All right. I what do like that you're like ready to still answer this question after <laughs> just like this traumatic event has just happened. So it's 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 a the energy of those cities where you have people who are from those cities, they represent in a sense. In Atlanta, nobody who lives in Atlanta is from Atlanta. Right. <laughs> so because of that, there's a different type of silent partner type of energy in a sense of like this it, you just don't hear the rah rah hey it's atlanta you, you just don't get that from this kind of a city because most of the people who live here aren't from here if that makes sense sure yeah. and specifically with uzi and with jack harlow uh what kind of uh expectations did you have in working with young artists like that and what have you seen as they've put out a couple of projects and and some more projects after that um you know it's interesting what i've come to learn about new artists is i've come to shed expectations i've come to not even buy into this is what i'm expecting from this artist because i've been to that point in those points of my career where i worked with an artist i thought they were going to be the best the next best thing they ended up doing nothing or some artists i just was like okay this is a waste of time and then they ended up being the biggest thing ever mm. so um it's one of those things where you kind of develop this 
mechanism for how you approach what you work on. You just give it all your best because if you if you fall into that mode of expectations and what you think this project could do versus what this project can do, I think that starts to taint your approach. Some for some people it can. And so I've tried to stay away from early categorization of is this going to be a hit or is this going to be something special or Uzi's going to be special or Jack's going to be special. I just approach it all like, you know what, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to just see where it goes and just have fun looking at it blossom into whatever it blossoms into and it makes it more fun. Mm, With all my expectations, it makes it less fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Because um, what you do with expectations is you never feel like what you did was good enough. If the, if it went platinum, you're like, oh, I should have went double platinum. <laughs> you know? uh, Leslie, before you go, you know, this is while everybody's in quarantine and, uh, you know, slowly coming out of it, everybody's sort of recording themselves at home. You know, there's a lot of people who have, uh, you know, not been able to go to studios and stuff. What's one small piece of advice you can give to everybody who's trying to record themselves to make the process a little bit easier? Um, don't limit your thinking. Don't limit how you approach trying new stuff. And I'll give you a perfect example. I'm currently mixing in my truck. Like literally, I have my Focals, I have my KRK sub in my truck. Wow. I'll send you a picture if you want. Please. <laughs> um, it's actually pretty fun. And what what the theory there was, okay, we always go to our cars to check our mixes. Mm-hmm. And I have an aux input in my truck. I have a Cadillac Escalade. And so at first I started just with the Apollo plugging into the aux input and seeing how things sound as far as mixing live. And it sounded really good because I referenced mixes in there anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, hmm, I got to really, you know, go full steam on some of these mixes. Let me bring my actual setup in, my <laughs> vocals and my sub, and they can fit. And I found a way to fit everything in. And just when you think about the environment of a truck where – None of the surface are parallel. You know, mm-hmm. the, even the the ceiling is, you know, uh, cloth. None of the surf- most of the surfaces aren't reflective. The reflective surfaces aren't parallel. You have a carpet. It, it's designed to dampen sound. It's actually the perfect mix environment. So I say all that to say, don't limit yourself to thinking, oh, you got to set up a mic in a closet and put up some sheets and record. Figure it out. Do You know, go record in your car. See how it sounds. Absolutely. It might actually come out sounding good. Yeah. Well, listen. This makes me want to, like, start doing handstands while we record. <laughs> 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 Leslie, uh, this has been a, a real a real honor for us. Uh, thank you for spending your time with us. Hopefully, on the other side of this, we'll head back down to Atlanta, link up at Mean Streets, and have a real hour-and-a-half-long podcast and, and hear your, your entire journey. But until then, be well. Take care of yourselves, you and yours. Uh, stay creative. And, uh, and don't get attacked by any more birds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I see the bird coming again. I'm really fast. <laughs> now, Jeff, let's go to the Lower East Side and get on the phone with our friend, Alex Tumay. Hello. Alex! What up? What up? How are you? Alive. Yeah, you, well, um, actually... Yeah, that could have been a, a different answer. Let's get right to it. Yeah. Wait, you, wait, I have a question. Should I put headphones on? Is that better for you guys? Uh... I don't care. Let's try it. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, you're the engineer. You would know better than me. (laughs) Should you put it? Do I sound better now? You do. Wow. Wait. Yo, shout out to the ghost of Steve Jobs. Um, He did did that when he did that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He died for for, for this to happen. Alex, uh, only a few weeks ago, we saw you tweet 
and uh, put out into the public that you had had some really, really, really bad health issues. Um, How did this come about? What did you feel? And uh, and how did it go down? Well, like, so, I mean, work obviously takes me to and from studio mostly. It's kind of an enclosed space. And I don't really, like, get out much, but, like, I do interact with a lot of people. And right when all this, like, coronavirus stuff kind of, like, really got started, like, all the, like, the stay-at-home orders and whatnot, I started to get all of the major kind of symptoms that they were describing. I never got an official test because I was worried that if I didn't have it, my my immune system would have been highly compromised. Yeah. So it would be a, a huge mistake to go somewhere where I would, you know, get be it. around it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was like had um, fever, chills, hard time breathing for about a week. Um. It was scary. I mean, if I assume that I had you know moderate symptoms and not like serious ones, but having a hard time breathing for any amount of time is not fun. Yeah. But also yours like went away and came back. Like you hadn't for an extended period of time. Yeah. I think like honestly about three to four weeks, I felt like shit. As in like at night you couldn't, you know, for sure fall asleep because you weren't sure whether you would wake up. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, me and Guapta talked about it cause he had a lot of similar symptoms where, you know, you take breathing for granted, which is weird to say, you know, when, 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 when something so, um, like automatic just becomes something that you have to focus on. That's very scary. Yeah. It's scary. Do you have like PTSD from it? No, I wouldn't say that. But I mean, like, like, do you think about that time at all? Or yeah, does it I mean, feel like I, in the past? Honestly, honestly, it's if anything, it's going to be a little, like, I'm a germaphobe and a little, like, agoraphobic. Like, I don't. Like, going outside to me right now is, like, something that I think about often, you know? So, where it was when you, not so. Yeah, when you when you got this, uh, how did it affect your 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 entire day? Like, did you eat the same? Did you uh, walk around the same? Did you just sit down and sort of like try to get through hour by hour, or were you sleeping all day? I was resting a lot, so I was just like laying down and concentrating on because there's the when especially when I was experiencing symptoms, there was no consensus on what helped and what didn't and or what it was or what to do or what was moderate or what was severe you know all all of the websites that had any sort of information had conflicting information of to what was a severe case when to go to the doctor when to call anybody it took me two weeks i think of symptoms before i freaked out and called my doctor and got some like medication to combat a lot of the symptoms, which helped a lot. I got an inhaler, an anti-bronchial, something or other, and an antibiotic. Yeah. Did you take more showers than usual? How did you sort of like... uh... Yeah. I mean, I was drinking so much tea. I think we went through like 
a box or two boxes of tea a week at that point. Like, Jesus. Just, which is like 40 packs of tea in a, in a box. So all you're doing is um, just drinking and then going to the bathroom? Yeah. Drinking hot, drinking hot tea. And then somebody, there's like that home remedy where they were saying to boil water with orange peels and breathe in the steam. And, you know, whether or not that actually helped, it did make me feel mentally better. Yeah. Like you were doing something. Yeah. How did this all affect your work? Did that come to a like a screeching stop? No, I mean I stayed home, obviously. Yeah. But I have a I just went back to my like 2017 setup of just a laptop and just my home speakers and my home interface and was just working that way. So obviously, uh, back in 2017, you could do that work at a coffee shop. You could do the work at someone's home. You could do that work, you know, wherever you found yeah, in yourself. In the back of like Ubers mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, now yeah. you're, uh, you know, you do have a home base, a, a studio that you could go to with bigger speakers, with a with a big, you know, setup and a, and a room that's built to properly hear things. What's the biggest difference between working at home off your laptop and working in the confines of a, a properly built studio? Um, I mean, the studio, it's, it's not make or break, but it does make my whole life easier. My assistants can remote in now. Mm. So right, like, as we're speaking, I'm watching my assistant prep a session. What is he doing? And, and do and do mix notes. Um, right now they're flying in because the only note on this was that there was not a tag in the session. <laughs> So that's a good note. Flew one, the, <laughs> flew, flew one of the producer tags in, and that, that was it. But yeah, it's like little stuff like that they can do that that normally I would have to come all the way to the studio to do, or the, or what, somebody would have to come all the way to the studio. And now we have like a remote setup so they can control the computer. Um, I actually haven't seen my assistants in a month and a half. Wow! I sent them home. I sent them home, and I shut down the studio because it just didn't seem worth it. I know a lot of studios are still up and running. It just we don't we don't make enough of our revenue from booking sessions to keep them running so are people more flexible with their deadlines now considering everything that's going on i i always whenever somebody asks i say i can do it but it would you know like can i get an extra day just to you know if i have to come to the studio like i'm in the studio now um I, I usually it's it's a lot harder for me to get here because I don't want to I'm not going to take public transportation yeah you know, I'm not going to get on the subway and um, I really don't like getting in Ubers because they almost feel more like dangerous to use right now than oh for sure um, yeah I have noticed so, that every Uber has the windows open oh really yeah, yeah they have the yeah they have the windows open and a lot of them have like the plastic guard now wow yeah. But like, um, how like, often do you actually get outside? Um, just twice a day to walk the dog, and you know, once a week or twice a week to go to the studio. Alex, um, in this time now, where you know, seemingly you could work all the time, and you already work all the time, but like, it's like there's no separation between your work self and your private self now. Like, people yeah. can hit you up at any hour, and and I think probably expect you to respond right away because they're like, well. What else are you doing, right? How yeah. do you allow yourself to get away? Um, I still keep my same uh, like turnaround time. Um, so if someone asks something 
for me for something for me and it's not something that needs to be turned in the next day i usually say a week or two mm. which gives me time to you know a time to sit with the record and be time to fit it into my schedule without becoming overwhelmed do you have do you have a chance to like relax your ears to turn everything off and like not listen to music yeah i mean i don't i don't honestly i i listen to music when i'm walking to the studio or walking back and usually it's music that i've you know been working on but also, Alex told- is like playing Animal Crossing. Oh, right. Like, that's yeah. like that's what you've been doing. <laughs> yeah, my town is crazy. <laughs> that's a- I did build a studio in my house in Animal Crossing, so that feels kind of kind of you know real life. Yeah, is that sort of like yeah. when when Dwight Schrute made like his own Second Life character, and it's the exact same thing, yeah. so that he can fly? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the one difference in your Animal Crossing town? And I, I, I've i never played Animal Crossing. I don't fully understand. I know there's, like, a raccoon that's, like, tricky. <laughs> yeah. There's a, raccoon, there's a raccoon that you are indebted to for months on end, and that's about it. Oh, just like real life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just exactly like what's real life. The only difference is that my um, house in Animal Crossing is bigger than my apartment in real life. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only difference. Um, I get to live my dream life of having more than one better. <laughs> well, uh, given that you're you're working mostly at home, uh, do you listen back to your mixes on a variety of different speakers, or how do you uh, change your environment when you go back to sort of judge whether you have done something positive or or, or not, or do you just have your girlfriend sing it to you? <laughs> yeah, she she's she's of zero help. <laughs> <laughs> Like she still doesn't understand, you know, what I do, <laughs> what's going on, and like since we since since we first started dating, I've I've like sporadically been like, hey, why don't you listen to this? Tell me if you like it better than the original. And she's like, which one's the original? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. But um, I mean, I've always been like a headphone first person whenever I'm not somewhere I am familiar with. So I have my headphones and they're the same everywhere. So whenever I'm home, those are what I'm relying on more than anything. Um, in the studio, though, now that I have like a good room that sounds good and I have good monitors that I can trust, I'm actually in headphones less than ever. So it's weird to go back to being reliant on something that I'm honestly less familiar with than I was back in the day is there anything to mixing low as opposed to mixing loud uh it just depends on the person i mean especially with rap and the way that low end comes through at low volumes it's kind of like mixing quiet doesn't really make nearly as much sense as it does for songs where with a lot more mid-range you know yeah so when low end comes through quieter as you get lower if that makes sense yeah so like the lo- the lower volumes you listen to the less the low end comes through and the higher the more it comes through up to a certain point and around like i think what is it 85 db i think it's like a flat response or set, something something around there maybe 82 i don't remember exactly but so i listen to music kind of at all different volumes if that makes sense yeah so what does your just girlfriend to get, listen to it at? What volume does she listen to it at? Super loud. Not at all. She <laughs> listens to, she listens to uh, was it Things You Should Know? Is that the podcast? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 
Wait, why is she listening to other podcasts when when we have a podcast right here? Because it's a music one. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about music. Um. Alex, uh, when you have someone who comes in and is a is a singer and has a lot of range, right? And 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 the singer might get like loud and then might do other stuff soft. Do you uh, understand that beforehand? Do you listen to the to the person and know that they're going to have a giant range, or do you generally record low so you play it safe? Um, I think, especially with the way digital recordings are work now, you can play it safe a lot easier. Because noise floor and things that were huge problems back in the day and clipping and all this, like your headroom's a lot larger and there's a lot more room for error. So you can, you know, play it safe and record a lot quieter without get, without getting a bad signal. But I uh, usually record loud. Um, um, I'm trying to hit the compressor in a certain way that gives the artist a little bit more confidence because the more compression usually I have more good compression usually gives them more of like a strong kind of meaner sound. It's, it, it kind of pulls confidence out of them. Yeah. And you're not, so you're not riding like the knob or anything. No, no, no. And when it comes to, uh, well, we had, uh, one of our mutual friends, Kenny beats on the podcast and, uh, he mm-hmm. said the nicest things about you and, and, listed a whole bunch of reasons why he really loves working with you, including the fact that you're not predictable. You don't just work in one corner of this giant genre. Yeah, you're very versatile. Mm-hmm. You're very versatile. Uh, can is, you... there, is there anything good that you can say about <laughs> Kenny Beats, knowing that he said good things about you? <laughs> I mean, I I would say the same things about him. His versatility are, is his strength. And I think that's where we, the reason that we work so well together is that he can kind of fit like wherever you need him to fit, he's going to fit there and he's going to make it work. And he also, um, Eric and I were talking about the the other day, but, um, he, he's in every genre right now too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so whenever, whatever he throws at me, I feel comfortable in. And, you know, whenever he throws me something, I, I actually like, he's, he's kind of adopted my recording template for the stuff that he does. So, we our our workflow is very similar. So when I get stuff from him, I don't have to do nearly as much work as I do for a lot of other songs that I get. Okay, but in our group chat, who would you say is the best member? Who would you say is the worst member <laughs> of the group chat? Of the group chat <laughs> with, with all four of us. Yeah. yeah. So the choices are me, you, Eric, and Kenny. Okay. Well, Ken, I I would say who's the least active then. I, is it Kenny or is it Kenny or Eric? <laughs> I mean, that is a good question. I feel like Kenny. Uh, un- until you brought up Eric, I had forgotten that Eric was in the chat. To be honest, so I would say Eric is the worst member of the chat. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't use you know social media or. <laughs> To the point, sort of to the point where when Alex was on live the other day and I was in there commenting, he was like, hey, Jeff. And I was like, nope. And he was like, I don't believe you. And I was like, fine, take me live right now. And then he was like, oh, it's really you. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I honestly, I thought that Jeff handed you the <laughs> real quick. I still didn't believe it when I saw you. <laughs> like, there are so many people who they, they comment and they're like, is this Jeff or Eric? And I, I, every single time I always say it's Jeff because Eric doesn't know how to use a phone. <laughs> So I'd say Eric Eric by default becomes the worst member mm-hmm. of the group chat. Point yeah. taken. Yeah, but then who's the best? And then I mean then just like do you, you have the humility 
to understand that I am the best person in the group <laughs> yeah, chat. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Sometimes you pick up the slack of your brother. It's, <laughs> it's by default you have to win. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, can we talk about uh, some of the projects that you put out lately that you have felt especially proud of? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the Party Next Door one was crazy to work on. Like, just got I got a call from 40 in late October and he was like hey I got some stuff I'm mixing and there's just a lot of work I need to do could you come give me a hand and I you know I thought that meant along the, along the lines of just come and organize stuff for me mm-hmm. literally that's like because that's what I felt you know comfortable doing with somebody so like prolific and accomplished well what was your relationship like before this it, we had like dm'd about music a couple times and that's it <laughs> like it was very like very much he saw he said that he saw my pensados place interview and agreed with a lot of my approaches to music yeah and was, and just wanted to try it out so i just went up there and i mixed one song in a weekend or i guess like three songs in a weekend and left and then heard the feedback and they were like oh well he didn't like any of it but <laughs> but knowing what he wants now you should try again and i was like okay cool i'll fly back up and so like two weeks later i went back up and i did the whole this is like november i think i did 11 out of the 14 songs i did wow um, in that in in like that in that three or four days man and then got a lot better feedback and just been working now i've been working with 40 you know since then that's uh, really all. i mean a bunch of different stuff. who is the guy that you were telling me about we went to uh denzel curry and and kenny beats show and you were like mm-hmm. you have to get this guy um from like that camp like on your podcast oh prep yeah prep's awesome he's a producer and an engineer for party and he's great well what what do you he's really sick. admire about his work I mean, he's just one of those engineer producer types that are in 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 the shit twenty four seven. You know what I mean? Like like Baines is with Thug now. Like the two of them are like how I was with Thug in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fifteen. They are together twenty four seven, and that breeds a different kind of connection and a different kind of workflow and a different kind of product than let's say someone just jumping in every so often. Well, what is it about party that makes your brain think differently when you work together? Um, I mean, he just has a very specific endpoint for every song he works on in his head already. So it's a lot of like listening to where he, where they left off and being like, where was he trying to go? Which I think is the case for a lot of people, but you can, there's a, there's a lot more leeway. I think, with different artists and you can hear kind of the end point when you hear the starting point or where they left off. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, consider that, you know, you have the closest working relationship with, with Thug considering all of your guys, uh, songs together. But do you have someone these days who you have such a shorthand with that you guys just know how to communicate together and the resulting work is really significant? I think Kenny and I right now, honestly, have like the the strongest work relationship because 
I don't know. We I think in the last week we've worked on sent back and forth like eight records in the past couple of weeks, and the notes have gotten less and less and more and more. Just like I just run with it, and he, he I know what he wants, and he knows where I'm going to take it. So it's a lot less of a conversation. What's like a, a note that he's given you that that like just sticks out as like being either funny or just like very specific? Um. Well, he he was on stream the other like a couple a few weeks ago. Oh, and you joined him on your on his Twitch. Yeah, yeah, and well, I sent him a, um, the Ice Cold Bishop record, Dicky Suit, mm-hmm. and for some reason the routing had fucked up, and I from what I was hearing, it was right. But when <laughs> I bounced it out and sent it to him, normally I would double check that, but I was just like, oh, he's like listening right now. I was like, he should hear this, so I sent it to him. I was like, listen, he listened on live stream, and he was like what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) and obviously like um i had i like the second he played i was like fuck and i was like fixing it at the same time (laughs) but it was just funny that like because that happens in the process you know like you do enough songs and there's gonna be one where you just fucking beef something and and you gotta fix it and it's just funny that it happened you know publicly um, Alex, when you and I spoke on your Instagram live the other day, you were talking about the fact that you were not the biggest fan of meals anymore. Yeah. Um, you had sort of given up on the idea. Are you onto like smoothies? <laughs> That's a, I, I literally, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, what was I'm the thinking, thinking behind it. this whole thing? Um, so back in the, you know, back in the pre, uh, coronavirus days, I don't think my days became defined by a when i went to bed or b the meals that i ate Mm -hmm. like when i went to bed and the food i ate was all defined by the work i was doing or the extracurricular stuff i was taking part in like going out or hanging with friends or you know whatever yeah being a human Um, being yeah being a human being doing human social (laughs) things yeah um (laughs) and now my days are are work around my meals and you know when i'm deciding to end the day yeah because that's what like i'm just like okay cool time for tomorrow it's it's not i'm tired because i've been working 14 hours or because i was out until like 4 a.m whatever it's okay i'm done and there's nothing else to do today you know yeah or i just don't want to do anything else today so i might as well just go to sleep now um, but the same things with food. It's like, I wake up and I'm like, damn, now I have to plan out this meal. And then the second I finish breakfast, I'm thinking about lunch and like what I'm going to do for that and dinner and so on and so forth and grocery shopping. And I'm just over it. It's not even that, like, I like my cooking, I like my <laughs> girlfriend's cooking. I think we do a really good job and, and, and we try to keep it like interesting, but yeah, but it's that you, you have structure in your day, whereas before you never did. And so it's yeah. like, there's an adjustment to that. Yeah, um, and, and the structure is the food, and I'm, I'm angry at it. <laughs> um, Alex, you said that you had questions for us. Oh, um, did you guys think about my podcast idea, the the, the new one for you? I don't remember the, it. Explain the, it to the people. The morning after one where when whoever, if you guys have a one-night stand, <laughs> oh, the, right. other bro- the, the other brother is waiting in the living room <laughs> in the morning well, to to interview the... 
the girl coming the out. Well, lady. Alex, yes. the lucky lady. In well, yeah, here's How the does thing. this work when no one's coming over? We're not allowing I anyone mean, not now. I'm into when, this house. I'm saying when the world goes back to normal, this normal. Is first priority. What is normal anymore? I mean, <laughs> meals aren't normal anymore. I'm pulling yeah. my hair out, Alex. Every day is the same. All we do is go to sleep, eat meals, podcast, and repeat. I don't know about your podcast idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Just keep it in. Imagine this is the idea that sent me over the edge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Eric quit. <laughs> Yo, uh, um, by the way, that idea was actually done as an SNL sketch. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, because um, it was it was Andy Samberg as like oh, the kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and he right. would interview all the kids, all the all the uh, guys the, that came over to see his mom, the potential stepfathers for him. Yeah, yeah, it's that, that is a great sketch. It's Alex, a great sketch. We love you. Take care of yourself. I'm glad that you're back to uh, whatever the new normal is. I'm I'm glad you're there. That you're not uh, sick every day. Yeah, I hope um, that you get sponsored by like some smoothie company. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Like, what was the one that that um, was big? Like as a meal replacement plan, like a, a, a couple years ago. I don't even know. And it was some like Silicon Valley company where they were like, yeah, like you get everything you want from a drink and everybody who drank it was like, this is great, except it's the most unsatisfying thing because it's not actual food. Hmm. Yeah, it's just sludge. It's yeah. just sludge. <laughs> I hope you That's get sponsored want, by That's Just all Sludge. I want now. I want something to take to take the power that food has over me away. He's <laughs> like a robot. I want to take the power back. That's right. You just want oil, Alex. Yeah. Thank you for everything. Continue to do great work. Uh, whether we're you know in in this uh, pandemic phase or beyond, uh, we'll be checking in. Be well, and we'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. And now, Jeff, let's go up to the Bronx and link up with our friend Cruz. Cruz. Your crew. What up? What's up, my guys? What's happening? How are you? Bless, man. Bless, man. Trying to stay away from all this uh, conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, oh, wait. Hold yeah, on. Wait, wait, here we go. Which conspiracy theory are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, all the Corona shit, man. It's just like overwhelming. I like that Cruz <laughs> just like backs off. Of it. He yeah, was like, yeah. he was like, you want to know what? Like, we all know that this was definitely injected in people right. by like lab technicians, but or the cell phone companies. But we all know. I just don't want to put it out there on your podcast. Got it. Thank you, Cruz. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, calling I'm Cruz on a landline right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to put my sources on blast, you know what I mean? I live by a certain code, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah appreciate yeah. that. Area codes. You yeah. see what it is. <laughs> it was ludicrous. That's right. Um, um, Cruz, by the way, I just wanted to wish you a happy Meek Mill's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> which is the reason that we have reached out, as we all agreed. <laughs> hey, man. I appreciate it, man. He's a legend, you know? I hope that Meek turns it up today, you know? Yeah. Um, wait, oh, so he is. Are you He's are you in the crib turning up with There we go. So are good. you joining his Zoom chat? I know you said that you've turned down many other Zooms. Yeah, I'm not I'm not big on the Zoom wave, man. Even like, you know, close friends of mine invited me to their parties and I'm just like, bro. I mean, you know, we've run into each other at a few parties. It's nothing like, you know, just popping up on people in person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, with it, with a Zoom, you can't really like take the person to the side and have a real conversation. You have to be like <laughs> there with the forty other people, or even Facts. like enjoy the music in a real way. Yeah, like everybody yeah. just sort of sits with their computer in the lap, just like <laughs> sort of looking at the other forty people in there, and it's like, right? 
Then you ghost. <laughs> Technical difficulties and all that. I can't. I can't take it, man. Yeah. Cruz, uh, every it. week. So we we FaceTime with our mom. We we check in with our brother, our aunt, all that. Except yeah. once a week, our mom and our aunt have gotten to, into this thing where they're like, we have to zoom together, right? The whole family yeah. gets together. Has that happened to you? And have you gotten exhausted with that? Even though it's not work, it feels like work. No, you know what? What's crazy is um. I FaceTime with my mom and dad every day so yep. they could um, have time with the baby because yeah. they're in Georgia. Yeah. Um, my father-in-law, every Sunday, because we're at our in-laws, like, we're in this high-rise apartment building that we needed to get away from because oh. the heights was, like, super hot with the COVID shit. So, mm. um, But anyway, Sundays he does his uh, family session, and there's, like, it looks like the Brady Bunch. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> so it, it's cool, though. Like, I like how technology is, is keeping people relatively um, united. And you can kind of, you know, I've had conversations with family members and relatives that I haven't had because of timing and, and scheduling and stuff. So um, on the brighter side, like, it, it's actually kind of cool. So it definitely doesn't bother me. You well, know, That's good. Uh, on yeah. the work tip. Have you yeah. found uh, that this has uh, brought work to a stop or have you been working more now than ever? Like, where are you in that sort of um, range? I mean, with working, we're just kind of plotting, you know what I mean? Like, just just um, just trying to stay sharp to where when things kind of start picking up, we can we can attack and have things mapped out. It's a great time for, you know, the team to stay in tune and come up with a plan of action. So I've talked to me not every day, but just you know, every once in a while we check in, we talk about records and um, he, he's anxious to get back to work and stuff. But I we bet. have stuff we had already finished that we're like, yo, let's start, you know, figuring out a strategy and stuff like that. So how do you, you know, feel as a professional engineer, somebody who yeah. is very valuable when you're in the room with an artist? Now yeah. you have all of these guys who are at home who for the first time are ordering computers and speakers to their crib yeah. And yeah. they are engineering their own sessions by themselves. Yeah. How, how do you feel about them, like, you know, leaning on engineers by the phone or, you know, even like taking the step of learning it themselves yeah. and just doing trial and error? Do you feel like my barber yeah. when I was like, hey, can I FaceTime you when I try and cut my hair? <laughs> yeah, I swear I almost did that to my barber. But <laughs> so, but honestly, I think it's great that um, there are artists out there, including Meek. Like, Meek has his own setup in the crib. He's called the we've run through a few troubleshooting things, but I love that they can kind of get more in tune with our process because mm -hmm. it makes it better when we do get back in for them to kind of communicate like, yo, I, now I know more of a hands-on side of your job. And not only that, but they appreciate it more because now they see how complicated it is. You know, it's not like as easy as we make it look. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that is the, that is, is the tough it, thing. When you do something and make it look easy, people figure that it is easy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, um it's it's kinda like double edged, you know, because there are people that are just flat out not working at all and their artists are just trying to figure it out themselves instead of them being able to work. But um, you know, for others it's it's a good opportunity for you know, for like for me, I've been around the Dream Chasers more than family for the amount of time that I've been with them, just yeah. on a total you know, so this has just been such a um, blessing in disguise. And like the silver lining is I can be in daddy mode 
um, full time. So my friend Emix joked with me yesterday. He said, you've had like the craziest extension on your paternity leave. <laughs> yeah. and it's not even like a bad thing. It's actually been approved, you know, so that's that's really um, special, though. These times are ones yeah. that you can't, you know, can't miss out on. And you're lucky enough to be there and witness this. Um, I got a general question for you. When you have an artist come in, uh, let's say they're a singer or, or maybe they're a rapper and there's yeah. a there's a big uh, difference in their dynamic. They're loud or they're soft. Do you ride the knob or do you give them a lot of headroom when you go and record and just like assume a low level knowing that like you can always raise it afterwards? Um, I mean, there's always, I don't necessarily ride the, the game just because you can find like that sweet spot where if they, you know, hit a certain level, it's still going to compress where they're not going to clip or distort. So just knowing like who it is you're going to work, work with for the day and just getting kind of a general gain staging going so that you're not having to um, go back. And I feel like if you're having to ride the game too much, um, you're, something wasn't set up properly. Mm. Just in my experience, I think you kind of are overworking. Like, you know, it's cool if people, if that's their process, but I feel like you're just doing too much. Like I try to be as easy as possible, get it set up. And it's kind of like, it's good. You know, like, um, with Meek, obviously it's just, it's locked in before he gets in the room, but with guest artists and stuff, um, once they jump in the booth, you kind of make that one adjustment and, and you're all set. Um, well, I mean, but how, how for like the intro, how many like different pieces was that? Or is it, was that all one take? Yeah. Um, the championship intro. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy about that is it actually, um, I mean, that's Meek's highlight of his album, typically. I mean, this one, he had way more going on than we've ever had. But, like, he still is very, um, you know, he takes a lot of time perfecting his intro. So it took a couple iterations, actually, um, over time. So the the Air of the Night intro you hear is not the actual um, intro we started with. Like, it kind of took... Um, months to figure out. All right, let's change the beat. Let's now. I'm going to say this now that certain things are happening or whatever. So it took a while um, for it to come together, and um, I think that's why it came out so incredible. Just because he took so much time and crafted it, and even worked hands on with Nick Paps, his producer. Um, you know, just kind of working on the sequencing and how he wanted the instruments to come in, and then. Um, you know, the buildups, where the beat should drop out. Like, you know, that's kind of some of the things that are unspoken about Meek's process that, you know, once he's really, really into a record, it's it's incredible to watch him really be hands-on and explain kind of what he wants and um, see it through. Yeah. Um, we know how close you are with Young Guru. What did mm-hmm. you think when you first heard Jay Electronica and Jay-Z's album? When I first heard it... Um, you have I'm heard such it, right? A huge, <laughs> oh, oh, come on. We, we were actually we were actually in the studio, me and Meek, and we shut everything down. We wanted to hear it right away. Like I was glad because I was kind of itching to hear it as well. Yeah. Um, I was just excited. I wasn't listening to it initially on a technical level, but the fact that you know that those guys made it happen, um, I thought was incredible for the culture. Just as a fan of Jay Electronica's for so many years, um, that. You know, Jay came in as a big brother and said, bro, you're going to finish your project. Yeah, yeah. You know, let me come in and, and you know, alley-oop you. Um, I thought it was amazing, you know. So 
on a on a technical level, I know Guru had the battle with like so many records were older and you know things like that, but he definitely put it together and well does that um, mean I'm that like like the sound has changed through the years so maybe you have to like you know sort of affect one song that may be older to match a newer one yeah yeah he had a lot of a lot of challenges i mean i don't want to speak too much on it like of course yeah for him to be able to tell his story but like he had a lot of challenges where you know i mean imagine how long jay electronica has been been working on yeah. music that we haven't heard so um the way that he was able to you know piece it together and and make it you know listenable to the audience and and um i thought i thought it was i mean i'm still i'm still bumping it you know what i mean like yeah. i have my my favorites but it's 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 pretty incredible when man, you the way they put that together when you put together a project is guru mm -hmm. the first person you call to sort of get some notes back um not really like we work pretty tight in-house what i like to do is um i have really great relationships with a lot of the producers we work with mm -hmm. so i like to keep in touch with them and just you know um run bounce ideas off of me and then run it back to the producer and try to you know um craft as much as possible curate what exactly meets vision is for a particular project um when i mean when we first start a new album it's just like let's just crack open some beats and then a couple foundation records come about and it's like, all right, cool. This is the direction of the record. Let's try to find this to fill in a hole or whatever. And you know, who can we get to, um, to do that? So I bring, I always call, I mean, me and guru talk a lot. Like that's my big brother. Like yeah. we, we talk a lot just in terms of, you know, things that, that I go through that he's been through millions of times that, you know, um, that he kind of like gives me, um, advice to keep me sane in the process and you know um lets me know that i'm not the only one going through certain things in terms of like because there's a lot of politics too and it's not just like if it was strictly creation it'd be amazing but there's always kind of you know there's the politics and you got to deal with certain people and yeah uh, it's got to go through certain chains so it's not it's not like a straight road i mean i don't think anything that is um that comes out as a masterpiece or a legendary is is ever that easy to put together but oh for sure um, so if you know, you're if you're relying on guru for some some questions in the on the music side who do you rely yeah. on uh for advice now that you're a parent who do you turn to when you're like yo is is this <laughs> normal or is this uh does this ever happen you know to what? any other human beings yeah, I mean, I, I call my family, man. Like, I, I deal with, you know, my mother, my father, um, you know, my wife's, my in-laws, uh, my wife's family. We just kind of are super tight-knit as a family. And, um, you know, little things that happen, they already kind of know. Like, there's a lot of Latin secret, you know, like, <laughs> secrets. You know, like, when she hiccups, she put, like, a wet paper on her head. I thought it was crazy, but it actually kind of worked sometimes. So, you know, there's like a lot of things to start figuring out. And, um, you know, you trust your family's judgment because they've raised so many kids. I mean, you know how, how it is on our side with, with uh, you know, our families are, are pretty massive. <laughs> well, what, you're, you're living at your in-laws right now. What, you know, how much stuff did you bring from your place over there? Like, are you missing any of your, like, shoe collection? Like, I, you know, like what... <laughs> Yeah, the nah, essential I'm, I'm things. In, yeah. I'm in my I'm in my uh, Puma slides like every day. I don't even put sneakers. Oh, on. sponsored like, cruise. That's right. Crazy. Here we go. So, yeah, yeah. So um, tell them your I size right now, small. so they can send you some more. You know. Oh man, listen. 
<laughs> nah, I'm not gonna. <laughs> so, um, I have like a, a small setup. There's a guest room that I just took over as a studio room. So I have a, a small setup, and I've been Amazoning different things. I got a freaking um, like the you know the ad that pops up about the stars and stuff on the on the ceiling. Oh yeah, if you ever got that. So yeah. I. I yeah, they sucked me into it. <laughs> so wait, wait. So you're like, like yeah, it, maybe like, I do totally need that. Down. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that yeah. you you are temporarily in your in laws, but you're acting like you're gonna be there forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Altering it, the ceiling. Easy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be easy to break down, but um, but yeah, that's all I brought really was all the studio stuff and and um, you know, a couple of essentials. But it's a comfortable space to get away in and do some stuff, work on some music. Are you still in the city? Yeah, I'm in I'm in BX right now. Okay. Um, do you make it outside at any point during the day or night just to get some fresh air? I'm in the backyard. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's a wild time. Have you have it you is. found that it's like completely changed your life, or is this been like you know? Oh, I'm inside a lot anyway. It isn't so crazy. No, nah, it has. It's definitely it's affected me a lot because um. Like I said, the silver lining is the family time, the time with my daughter, my wife, you know. But, um, I mean, obviously you have those days where you're just, like, stir crazy and you want to get out. Even just to kind of go run and go get a haircut and just, you know, I'll never take that for granted ever again. I'll probably (laughs) never be late for another haircut appointment, Uh, you know, but... Um, it just, it's, it's a time to reflect though. That's what I've been doing a lot of, um, aside from just kind of plotting and, and planning on the music side is just reflecting on the journey and everything that, that I've been through and people that I've met along the way. And just, I mean, it's insane. You don't really have time to do that regularly because we're so much in motion, but, um, well, how do you, how do you not look at the bigger picture? It's, I think it's so easy to like think, oh my God, we're going to be inside for this many months or that, that my life is going to change in, in this certain way. How do you stay focused when you wake up in the morning and not like sort of let everything take you over? Um, I mean, there's some, there's like a, a routine here where, um, I mean, Leah's the boss baby. So (laughs) basically she, she, straightens out like the core of the day you know it's all based around her schedule of, of waking up and her eating schedule and sleeping Hiccuping and, and yeah bath time and all that so um she's the core of the day but um in between that it's just you know calling different producers and um you know staying in tune with the music um at first you know i had disabled instagram when this first started because i was just like yo i can't and then live started going crazy. Yeah. And I was getting calls from all my friends. My dad would call me like, yo, you see D nice, he's losing it. Like he's about <laughs> to hit a hundred grand like yeah. on on uh IG Live. So I enabled it again. I'm doing that. But um, you know. Did you disable it because you're like, I don't really wanna know what the rest of the world is going through? <laughs> no, I'm no. not a, I'm not cynical. I, I was I was actually just kind of like I said when I first picked up is just you know, all the conspiracies and, um, you know, all the crazy stories that were happening and, and people thought they had it all figured out. And I'm like, let me just, we have to kind of, you know, take it for what it is and just deal with it for now. I can't deal with the people that are like, yo, they know the solution. and This is how it happened. I'm like, bro, it is what it is at this point. We got to deal with it. You know, we got to be safe. Absolutely. Um, 
Well, listen, so, Cruz, we love you. Take care of you and yours. Uh, stay yeah, creative man. while you're inside and, uh, and stay Definitely. safe. And uh, yeah. listen, we'll be checking in on you. You take care. Uh, love to you and yours. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, love, guys. Appreciate it. Shout out to Cruz. Shout out to Alex Tumay. And shout out to Leslie Brainwave. Jeff, are we back tomorrow? We are back every day forever. As always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Brat! <laughs>